Welcome to Infused Church. Let's just for a minute close our eyes and just hold our hands out. Thank you, Father, for your presence this morning. 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 Father, I pray for every person that may be feeling distant from you. I pray, Father, that they would sense your presence in an increasing measure from this moment forward. That they would know that they would know that they would know that they're in your presence. That they would know without any doubt that you surround them, you uphold them, you undergird them, you lift them up, and that your presence is with them. Thank you, Father. 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 Lord, I speak against every lie of the enemy that says that people cannot feel or sense or live in your presence, that you've left them. I come against those words in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd make your presence known right now to those people. Lord, that you'd descend upon their heart, that you'd touch them, that you'd hold them in such a way that they would absolutely know that you're here by your Spirit this morning. Father, I thank you that you sent Jesus. And in that moment where he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was for the very purpose of connection that he said that. Because I know that, Lord, after he felt that, that he was in direct connection with you. And there was some stuff he had to go through in that meantime, though. I thank you that right now he's seating, seated at the right hand of the Father and interceding for us for connection. Lord, make the reality of that connection alive in us this morning and in your people. Help us, Lord, to sense your presence in ever-increasing measure this morning, in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> well, welcome uh, to this continued series on Arise this morning. Um, I know that God is doing something wonderful in our hearts as we uh, do this series on Arise. It was something that God put in my heart most strongly at the start of the year. Uh, I felt like it was something that he's wanting to, us to encourage us in. He's wanting to uh, like, uh, put a sense of purpose and know that we're not for anything else other than God calling us to arise. And uh, God's in the resurrection business. I'm not sure if you knew that. Um, but uh, God is, is most definitely in the resurrection business. So this morning, I'm just going to continue on this, this whole theme of arise this morning. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1. You may not have heard this passage of Scripture before. If you haven't, then you haven't been in this service. Um, but Isaiah 60 verse 1 says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. 
for us as a church, I felt God give me five very clear instructions as to what Arise is for us as a church. It is activating our connections. It is ramping up our worship. It is investing our gifts. It is stretching our faith and it is engaging with our communities. And uh, first of all, we, we started to look at activating our connections, that we value people that are in and around our lives. And I, I said that, you know, community isn't important for us. It's absolutely vital for us. Community is absolutely vital. It's not just something that's important. No, it, it's absolutely vital. Then last week I talk, t- talked about the second area of Arise, and that was ramping up our worship. See, worship is not part of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. And we need to understand that God is calling us to be a people who ramp up our worship. The things we do, we do because of him. The things that we, we, we're good at, the things that we're, we're gifted at, those things that we are able to do, that worship is more than just a song. It's, it's something that we actually worship God with, the things that we can do uh, week in and week out. And this morning, I, I want to talk about the third area of Arise, and that is in us uh, investing our gifts, investing our gifts. So the, the red bit there, up there, I just made a mistake. I forgot which one I was on. So it should be on investing, uh, in investing our gifts. Last week, I, I said that the intention of my message was not to inspire us to do more or to say more. Well, this week, that's exactly what I'm saying, that we are investing our gifts, the gifts that God has given to us, uh, not to sit on them, but to actually invest them into the kingdom of God for his glory. Can I say that I believe that serving in the local church, quite often there's no greater joy than to help others encounter God and his power and to see lives changed and destinies forged. I I don't believe that there's a greater purpose that we could actually serve in the kingdom of God than to create an encounter for other people. I'm often humbled and amazed at how people who have full-time jobs, they are working sometimes 8, 10, 12-hour days, and yet they still invest their gifts and their time to serve God here at Infused Church. Why do people from all walks of life actually do that? Sometimes people come, they're exhausted. You know, they're just tired from their jobs, yet they still continue to invest their gift. They still get in and they serve. They still get in and they do what God has gifted them to do. There's a gift on their life. There's a passion on their heart. There's something that God's instilled within them and and they give continually to do that. There's something they see a value in doing that. And, you know, it's just amazing. I'm, I'm often humbled. You know, like Jane and I, thank God for the people that serve here in this church. But this is what I want to talk into this morning. It's about this whole thing of investing our gifts. Now, we've probably heard uh, the reasons why we should do stuff. You know, we should do this. We should do that. But I don't want to tell you what you should be doing this morning. What I'd rather do is to encourage you to say that we get to do some stuff. We get to do some stuff. Why do we get to do some stuff? Because we've seen him. Because we're serving God. We're doing this for his glory. We're wanting to bring honor and glory to God because of what we, we're doing. So I, you don't have to force me to do this. I, I get to do this. The, I'm, I'm operating in my gift right now. I'm leading this church. I've got the gift of a leader in this church. And God has gifted me to speak 
an anointed word powered by his Holy Spirit to, to do. And I'm, you don't have to force me. I do this for nothing. Absolutely. Because I believe that God is doing something in me and through me. I'm, I'm giving my gift here this morning to do what God's asked me to do. So you don't have to, I'm, I don't should do this. No, I get to do this. This is an amazing honor and a privilege for me. So this morning, I just want to touch on three real quick reasons. There's absolutely oodles more re reasons. You can come up with better reasons that I could ever come up with. But these are the ones that I'm going to talk on this morning to talk about us investing our gifts. And so there's three reasons that we're going to do this for God's glory. First one, number one is investing our gifts actually imitates Jesus. Investing our gifts imitates Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7 says, Have this, uh, this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Just, just when you think about that for a minute, God, the Son of God, who existed in glory in the, in the presence of God the Father, emptied himself of every right and privilege in that, that realm, came to the earth in the form of a man and took on the role of a servant. He came and he served mankind with his life. God sent his son to be the ultimate servant. And when we invest our gifts to serve, we are following the very example that Jesus set for us in that we are giving us of ourselves for other people. And through Jesus' ministry, he served his followers. We see that quite clearly. So perhaps the most graphic picture, I think, of, of uh, this whole thing of Jesus' servant heart came on the night before his crucifixion, when he was with his disciples at the Passover meal. On entering a home, it would be usual for you to wash your own feet or that there would be a servant who would wash your feet for you, okay? And there was a bowl and there was a towel that was present when he went into this home, but there's not a single disciple that took up the, the duty or the role of a servant when they sat down for that meal. But to their surprise, Jesus... He, he assumed the servant's role, picked up the towel and the water and began to wash the disciples' feet. And then he says this in John chapter 13, verses 12 to 17. He says this, After washing their feet, he put his robe on and returned to his place at the table. Do you understand what I just did, Jesus said? You've called me your teacher and Lord, and you're right, that's who I am. So if I'm your teacher and Lord and have just washed your dirty feet, then you should follow the example that I've set for you and wash one another's dirty feet. Now do for each other what I've just done for you. I speak to you a timeless truth. Now catch this. He says, a servant is not superior to his master. And an apostle is never greater than the one who sent him. Just, just pause here for a minute. What he's saying here is that no matter whether you are just a person who maybe just sees yourself as a person of no influence, a person of no, no great stature, or you're not a, a prime minister, but you're just simply a person doing life, 
or whether you are a person who is in a leadership role, you have influence and power and authority within a, a, a community or whatever. From those people, the servants to the apostles, everyone is, is included in this whole thing about being a servant. It's a timeless truth. No one's excluded. I serve as the pastor of this church. There are times. I've swept floors, I've vacuumed floors, I've washed dishes, I've done all sorts of things in, in, in particular in, in serving this church. I've done the same thing in my community where I've, I've gone and as part of the business group and I've served the business group. I've done all sorts of stuff. No one is exempt from this thing called serving or investing of our gifts for the glory of God. So he says, he goes on, he says, now, so now put into practice what I've done for you, and you will experience a life of happiness enriched with untold blessings. Why does he say that? Because there are things that will happen in our lives as we get down and we serve the people around about us. As we invest our gifts into the kingdom of God, there is something that's released to us that is beyond words sometimes. It is just the absolute joy of having made someone else's day easier, lighter, uh, more enjoyable. Maybe we've, we've done something to help someone. We've invested our gift into a situation or a circumstance and a person. And sometimes that's just, you, you get this sense of, man, that was great. I've got to do that more. You know, you get this, this sense of just, it, it fulfilled you in, in, in a sense. Whether we're lead, you know, someone who's a, a follower or a leader, we are called to serve. When we serve others, especially those who can't repay us, we are imitating Jesus. That's what Jesus did. As Jesus gave of himself, we can do the same. Jesus set the example and we imitate Jesus. When we take up the towel and we serve one another, we represent Christ to those that we are serving. We become the hands and the feet of Jesus. Now, this is like completely like I don't, I'm not related to this person, but there's a guy by the name of Kenneth Leach, okay? Even spelt the same way as my name. He's an Anglican priest. He recently died in 2015, uh, but served his community in London um, and was actually the founder of a ministry called Centerpoint, which helped uh, homeless, disenfranchised young people uh, and helped to, to uh, help them in the world. And he says this, he said, Christian spirituality is the spirituality of the poor man of Nazareth who took upon himself the form of a servant. To follow the way of the kingdom is therefore to follow him who fed the hungry, healed the sick, befriended the outcast, and blessed the peacemakers. And that's the thing that we've been called to do, to, to be an imitation or to, be, you know, to do the things that Jesus did in our communities around about. We are called to be a people to invest our gifts to, by serving the people that are around about us. And my question to us this morning is this, how is our life imitating Jesus? If you were to ask yourself today, how is your life imitating Jesus today? What would you say? Secondly, investing our gifts reveals Jesus. So not only does it we uh, our life uh, imitate Jesus, but our life can actually our service investing our gifts can it actually reveals Jesus. 
guy by the name of Friedrich Nietzsche, he said, and he's an atheistic philosopher, and this is what he's alleged to have said. So he says, Jesus' disciples will need to look more saved if I'm to believe in their saviour. Think about it for a minute. See, what he was saying was that he was using the poor witness of some Christians as his excuse for not believing. And he makes a good point. He makes a good point. See, the world is looking for followers of Christ who look like Jesus to be a person who actually embodies Jesus. The world looks at, at not us not only for the right belief, but also for a distinctive Christ-like lifestyle, a, a faith that is expressed through action. People will see and hear the gospel in action as we invest our gifts. More than half of the Ten Commandments deal with loving people. And there are countless passages that instruct us as believers to serve one another. The Apostle James, he addressed this struggle between faith and action in his, 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 uh, his letter. In James chapter 2, verse 18, James illustrated the contrast of faith alone versus faith and action. He did this by a hypothetical conversation between two believers. In verse 18, he says, Someone will say, you have faith. Well, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. There is a difference between someone who says they are a believer and someone who is a disciple. Or is that a bit deep? <clears throat> someone just talks about their faith. Another one actually models it. They, they live it. Do you know what I mean? Catching what I'm saying? Cool. See, the world looks at followers of Christ and says, show me your faith by the way that you live and serve this hurting world and community in which you live. Investing our gifts, serving, it embodies the way of faith. That it's to be lived in our lives. Believers who visibly and actively invest their gifts through serving reveal Jesus to a watching world. <clears throat> number three, and you're saying, man, he's going to be finished by about quarter past 11. It's an early minute. It's great. You wish. <laughs> number three, investing our gifts brings fulfillment in living for Jesus. Mark chapter 10, verses 43 to 45 says this. Jesus said, Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In this passage, we, we, we can see that there is a contradiction. This is the contradiction of serving, that in giving ourselves away, we actually find ourselves, that in emptying ourselves, we find fulfillment. When we serve and invest our time, our energy for someone else, 
we actually get emotionally and spiritually recharged. There's something that happens in us because we are actually using the gift that God's given to us. We're outworking it, and there's something that's taking place within us. There's this divine exchange. As we're giving out, God's giving in. He's giving us the ability, the passion, the, you know, the, the mindset to be able to do what God's called us to do as we invest our gifts into what God is calling us to do. Investing our gifts gives more meaning to our life as a servant of Christ. We have the opportunity to literally find purpose and meaning. Now, I want to talk to you for just really briefly about the three levels of living that we can live in as, as people uh, in our communities. The first one is it's that people start out in life, they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to get their head above water. They're just trying to stay afloat in, in this whole river and, and this ocean of life. They're just trying to make ends meet. And life is most definitely all about us when we're just trying to survive. We've got no capacity to help anyone else. We're, just tr- we're flat out trying to help ourselves. That's the first level of life. It's just surviving. Then people move from from just surviving into success. People, uh, they've got their foot up. They're able to to live comfortably. We've made it in life, you know. But life is still predominantly about you in those moments as well. But few people go from success to significance in life. This is about making a difference in the life of someone else, helping them go from surviving to success in theirs. It's doing more than just talking the talk. It's actually walking alongside others for their benefit, not ours. In fact, living a life of significance is actually going to be often at your expense. It is going to cost you something to live a life of significance. And a life of significance is us finding a way to help someone else move up in life, move along in life, move forward in life. It's investing in them to to the detriment of ourselves that we can do that. Can I give you two, two definitions? The definition of lust is to benefit myself at the expense of someone else. But the definition of love is to benefit someone else at the expense of myself. Okay, there's a very clear different definition. See, lust is about all what we can get, what we can get out of life, how we look better, how we're more, you know. But love, when we love someone, we often give out, we look, make someone else look better than us at the expense of ourselves. We will put ourselves out, we will give more generously, we will serve more honorably and, and more faithfully in what we're doing because we, we believe that we love people. That's living a life of significance, church. And I want this church to be known as a church of significant people. People who, who, who are willing to put themselves aside and say, whatever you need to do, what, what has God called me to do? Because every one of you here today has a gift. Every one of you has an ability. There's a talent on your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, God expects a return on it. But that's enough a message. <clears throat> I would need probably a month to talk about that. Because it's a powerful, powerful thing to know that God has gifted you in things to be able to do those things. So if we want to arise, then I'm going to say this. I'm going to use the must word, okay? So I'm going to use the must. I'm just preparing you now. You're going to hear a must word. Okay, you ready? It's big, really big. Here you go. 
If we want to arise, then we must invest our gifts. If we're wanting to arise, we must use our gifts. This year, like the last year and into this year, we're still seeing the effects of what's happening globally in our nation as well. People's, like before last Sunday's service, when they announced that we couldn't sing, I was so frustrated. I was so angry. I got in my, Jane doesn't know this, I haven't shared this with Jane, but I got in my car to reverse my car out uh, to do some work at home because I needed to get into the carport and I, I, I lost it. I lost it. I lost it in my car. I'm serious. I lost it. I thumped and I, I yelled in my car. I was so, so frustrated. And then about 20 minutes later, I put my back out. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. It does, it does. What, what, what am I saying? What am I saying in this? I believe God wants us to arise and he's given us an ability to arise if we activate our connections, if we ramp up our worship and if we invest our gifts. One of the greatest things that's going to, to, to see you on the road to significance is doing something for someone else. You know, people often say, well, woe is me. You know, why can't I? Why can't I? This is happening to me. That's happening to me. You want to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Really, because there are people that are doing a lot tougher than us here today. I mean, you, you find out what, what it's like to live in Israel when they start launching rockets. You, you find out what it's like to live in Afghanistan as a, as a Christian. Find out what it's like to live as a Christian in North Korea. Find out what it's like to be a Christian in China. Find out what it's like to be a Christian somewhere else in a country where your faith is on the line, your body, your life is on the line for saying that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. We have got it so easy, church. We've got it so easy. We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and say, God, who can I serve today? Because as you serve someone, I believe that you will find that God will pour into your life by His Holy Spirit everything that you need, that you will find fulfillment as you start to do this. We will find fulfillment and significance by investing our gifts, by serving other people. See, many are searching for self-fulfillment and happiness, and many are looking for it in repeated highs of promotion. They're going on extended holidays, and they're, they're getting more and more material possessions. It's no longer good enough to have a PS4. You've now got to have a PS5. <laughs> Forget the Xbox. Real fulfillment, though, comes in serving God by serving other people. When we give of ourselves away in service to others, we find meaning and purpose in life that selfishness can never equal. It can never equal it. Fulfillment is not the goal of service, but it sure is a great highlight and a benefit that comes from it. John Wooden, in his book, they call me, coach wrote this. He says, we can't live a perfect day without doing something for someone who will never be able to repay you for it. People want to be part of something big. There's thousands of causes that people endorse and they give time, they give money and they give energy to. 
And I can't think of anything else that gives greater sense of accomplishment and fulfillment than to do something for God. If I was to say what serving means for me, this is what I would say to you this morning as I bring this message to a close. This is what I would say. Back in 1980, my life changed forever when I encountered Christ in a local church. From that moment onwards, our lives took on a different trajectory. We were invited to a church by someone who just wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Can I say, right here, right now, give us people that won't stop talking about Jesus. Give us people that won't shut up about Jesus. Where are the people that won't shut up about Jesus in our community? We call ourselves Christians, and I'm not saying, I'm not trying to beat anyone up this morning. I'm, this is a cry of my heart. This is what I'm asking. Where are the people that won't shut up about Jesus who are in this church? Where are we? Where are we? I, I say it week in and week out, and I know that there are people that are going out there, you're telling people about what you're doing on your weekend, but I'm going to bet anything you like that there are people here who still keep their faith a secret. I love you. I care about you. I think you're wonderful people. And God loves you. He's empowering you by his Holy Spirit. But get over yourselves and start to, to, to talk about your faith. To start to talk about this man, Jesus, who died for you. Another message. I wish we had more people that spoke up about Jesus. See, we only went to his church to shut him up. That's, I'm being honest with you. Just, I'm over this. I want him to stop talking about this. I want him, I'm going to go and go to his church. We in encountered Jesus through a local church where we were warmly greeted at the door. We were given communion. We were led in a time of praise and worship. We heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and we were given an invitation to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It was the preacher who invited us to receive Christ, but he didn't do all of that alone. That invitation to us came about as he was helped in his preaching by the ushers at the door, by the people who led worship and played music that morning, by those who distributed the communion elements to us, by the prayer team that were backing the service and praying for people in that service. There were those people that had already given of their tithes and offerings that we could enjoy the building in which we met and was called a local church at that time. There were those people there. It took them you know, like uh, money to invest in that. To see Jane and myself come to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. It is never just the preacher up the front who's preaching the message of Jesus Christ. From the moment people come in the door here, from the moment that our team lead us in praise and worship, the tech guys at the back that make everything sound so wonderful. We've got people who are doing the transition, like Joe this morning, or Candy as she did communion. We've got wonderful people that do all the preparation. We've got Dean and Lisa who look after the youth and our kids' ministry. We've got Naomi who looks after the administration area. Naomi Purcell, who 
always looking after our frontline team. We've got Steve and Gina after the service that are helping me to reinforce this message by serving in our cafe, making sure that everyone has a lovely cup of tea or coffee. It's never about this person up here. It's never about the people just up here. Don't look at this as the be-all and end-all of ministry in church. You doing an act of service, investing your gift, is one of the greatest things that will help people to connect people with God. The fruit of their investment continues today as I stand before you and encourage you to create a legacy from your life by investing your gifts too and create an encounter for others that will help them to encounter God, whether here today or next week or next month or next year. But do something, invest your gift, expecting a return on your investment to see someone Encounter God. Have an encounter with God. Because I believe that one encounter with God can change the trajectory, the course of a person's life. Do you you understand what I'm saying? This this is absolutely gold for us. We can have the, the ability to change a person's life by investing our gift. I thought I would never be able to repay those people for what they did for me that day that I received Christ as Lord. But I can, and you can too. We can invest our gifts to create an an opportunity for others to encounter God here today. What better purpose is there for us to invest our gift and serve in than the local church for God's glory? What's the purpose of the local church? It's to be a beacon of light to be filled with the life of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit where people get to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. We can change the course of an entire family by serving, by doing something for someone. This church is a place of faith and hope to our community. It's a place of refuge and healing. It's a place where we find community and a place where we belong, where we can both be care about someone and be cared for, where we can love and be loved, where we can celebrate and be celebrated. Infused Church is called to be a place where people encounter God and that encounter changes the absolute trajectory and the course of their life for eternity. Once they were going to hell, now they're going to heaven. Once they were serving Satan and now they're serving God. Simply by investing a gift. Simply by arising. Arising. We're going to arise this year and we're going to invest our gift and do what God has called us to do. Not everyone can serve in the hospitality area. That's fine. Find a place where you can serve. Do you have a heart for kids? Do you have a heart for young people? Then get involved. Ask Dean about is there anything that you can do to help him make youth happen on a Friday night or for young adults or or whatever. That was the charge of the library. They're getting behind us. It's great. Are you warm? Are you friendly? We need people on the door. Why? It's not about being warm and friendly on the door. It's about creating an environment where people can encounter God. 
One of the, the, can I say, there's two jobs that I think are critical in church life. Critical in church life. Number one is the person that is doing the, 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 the words for the songs. Because if you get it right and you're on the wrong page from the worship leader, you leave everybody behind. Okay? And I'm not saying that that's happened today. They've done an amazing job today. Okay? They really have. They've done a fantastic job. Okay? The second job that is, is absolutely critical in church life is the person who's on our front door. That that person is the first impression someone gets of this church. That impression is crucial to someone coming back. Just saying. And I have nothing to do with those, those areas. But this church benefits from it. This church grows because of it. This church increases because of it. Because people are warm and friendly. They know my name when I come the following week. They learn those things. And, and Phil has just said, which is a very good point, the third critical area is the, the people that actually go up to new people after the service and say, hi, my name's Fred Nurk, uh, welcome to church. <laughs> Just being friendly, continuing to say hello. We've been to churches and like we've gone to, to them for the first, and I'm sure you've been to the churches. Some people some have sadly said that about this church. They've gone to church and no one said hello. In fact, when I sat in their chair, they had something to say about it. Yeah? Just saying. Why do we invest our gifts? Because we get to be like Jesus. Because we get to reveal Jesus, because we find fulfillment in living for Jesus and because we're helping people to give their lives to Christ and to live for him. Amen? Let's stand. I'm done. The very purpose of, of what I've, I've spoken about is all about connecting people with Jesus and seeing people get saved. That's the reason, I believe, that we haven't gone to heaven yet. is because there's people God wants us to see saved. And he needs to use us to do that. Because God wants to increase the value of his return on the life of his son. The more people that get saved, the greater the value in what Jesus has done. And I want to see people saved. I want to see people saved. 
I want to see the, the lives of families changed because someone in that family gets saved. And such is the radical change that, that transforms their lives that it touches not just their families, but the families either side, their neighbours, other family members, people in their workplace. There's, this, there's a difference. People have said that to us. You know, when was the last time anyone said to us, there's something different about you? There's something different about you. What is it? What is it? If no one said that to you in a long time, maybe we've stopped talking about Jesus. Maybe we've stopped talking, modeling what Jesus is all about. And I'm tr not trying to condemn anyone. Please don't, don't hear that. What I'm saying to us today is let's examine ourselves. Let's look at our walk. Have we fallen out of love with Jesus? Is it just a trial? Is it just a chore? Or do we get absolute joy in coming out on a Sunday morning and worshiping God? It's one of the reasons I want to put on our worship nights. It's not so that we can have a glory time together. It's to see people saved. Do you know anyone who's sick? Then bring them to the worship night because I believe that God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, can heal them. Do you know anyone who needs restoration? You need anyone that needs to find hope in life? Bring them to the worship night. Because there will be a message that we've spoken of hope and, and, and just finding fulfilment and life in Christ. It's not about us having a glory time. If I wanted a glory time, I'd go home and stick on my stereo. It's about seeing lives changed, creating an encounter with God that transforms not just our lives, but our community as well. That's the purpose of our, our worship nights. Our Holy Spirit. We've got one coming up on the 21st of July, a Wednesday night, at 7.30 here at the church. Okay, it's going to be here at the church. Band's going to be on. It's going to be a cranking good night. The second one is going to be in the end of, uh, uh, of August. I think it's the 27th of August. We've got Pastor David and Donna Hall coming to talk in the church. Then we've got one in September. I think it's the 24th of September on a Friday night. That's with Pastor Steve and Sally McCracken. We're flying them all the way, all the way from sunny Victoria. We're bringing Pastor David and Donna Hall all the way up from sunny Modbury Heights. Why, why are we doing this? Take a look around. Take a look around. If there's an empty chair next to you, and we've got some work to do, every, every chair represents a story. Every chair represents a life. Every chair represents a story. Every chair represents a life that can be changed. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for your presence. And I pray that this morning, that people would start to invest their gifts or, or to continue to invest their gifts, to develop their gift, to enhance it, to hone it, uh, to, to make it sharp and, and effective for the kingdom of God. Not so that they are seen as a person of any excellence or anything like that, but so that glory is given to you and that we see lives changed because of it. Because we create a place that uh, people can encounter the very presence of God and that their lives are changed. Their families are changed. Their streets are changed. This community and workplaces are changed. 
Father, I pray for such a move of God, for a revival of unprecedented proportion that our police go out of a job, that the crime rate plummets. I pray that our hospitals are empty because people move and operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, believing for a uh, the, the gift of miracles, the gift of faith, the gifts of healing, for the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, for the discerning of spirits, for speaking in tongues and the interpretation of the same. Lord, put it in our hearts to be inspired by you as you served so that we too can invest our gifts for the glory of God in the name of Jesus. While every head's bowed, I want to give everyone an opportunity. I don't know uh, where everyone may stand in so far as having accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but I'm not going to talk about us doing things so that people have an encounter with Jesus and then not give you an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if there's anyone, anyone that has never invited Jesus into your heart and said, would you be my Lord and said, would you take my, would you redirect the course of my life, recalibrate the trajectory of my life, Lord. Father, would you cause something to be different about my life today? And if that starts with inviting Jesus into your heart uh, for the very first time, is there anyone that wants to do that? I would ask that you simply put your hand up so that I know who I'm praying for this morning. Is there anyone? that wants to to receive Christ as Lord and Saviour this morning. Anyone at all, just put your hand up nice and tall so that I can see. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I want to pray for people today. There have been people that maybe have got burned out just through serving and doing everything that they could and, and they're just, you're just tired and you're burnt out. I want to pray for you this morning for the refreshing power of the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anyone in that, in that place? There's no, no shame, it's just acknowledgement of where you are. Okay, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Others? Thank you. Yep, thank you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now for these these wonderful people that you would refresh them by the power of your Spirit. Lord, refresh them. Breathe afresh upon them. Lord, let the waters of your presence wash over them and renew them in Jesus' wonderful name. Give them a fresh vision for the gifts that you've put in their life, Lord God. Father, give them the ability to mind the gap, to be able to put into place space in their life, to be able to do things at a good pace. Father, that it's not all just in bang, 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 but it's, it's, it's about a going the distance in what we're doing. Father, would you refresh them, refresh them, refresh them, refresh them, refresh them, refresh them in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for that today. Continue that work throughout this week. Lord, I pray even now, Father, for the, uh, those who don't know what their gift is, don't know what the passion of their heart is. Father, this week, would you speak to them? Would you speak to them touch them, give them the ability to, to, to discern what that gift is and then give them the courage to invest that for your name's sake. 
And I thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful name. Everyone said...